as Aaron was mentioning, we're in a, a kind of a series called One Month to Live. And the idea behind it is, can we look at our lives? If you only had one month to live, what would you change? What would become important? Uh, what are the things you wouldn't worry about at all? What are the things that you wish you could do, wish you never did? All this kind of stuff. And so as we kind of go through this, and we've been doing it through our small groups, and the high school uh, ministry's been doing it, children's ministry has been doing it. As we do this together as a church, is there something we can learn from those 30 days, that one month, that we can now carry into uh, the rest of our lives if God actually gives us more than one month to live? And for those of you doing the math, yes, you will be dead by the men's retreat, but sign up anyway because, I mean, who really cares, right? Okay, So, uh, so this morning what we're talking about is learning humbly, learning humbly, I, I don't know about you, um, but I judge people, okay? I, yeah, yeah, dun, dun, dun. Get, a, get another pastor, right? I judge people, I, and, and, and we all do. We all, excuse me, I'm sorry. That was very nice. Good looking woman. Mm. Mm. Sorry about that. Man, I got this cough. Uh, we all judge people. People who make a lot of money judge people who don't make that much money. People who don't make that much money say, well, if I had that much money, and they judge people with that, uh, that much money. Old people judge young people, say, what is going on with the youth today? Uh, 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 and young people judge old people, okay? Uh, and say, what's wrong with the elderly today or whatever? I want to share one quick, is Dustin here? Oh, he just walked out? Okay, no, my bad. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. He was our ministry moment, and I forgot about him. Uh, so he stormed out the back. That's fantastic. Great. Okay. So uh, he, what he was going to share was really awesome. So we'll have him do it second service next week. But uh, we judge each other, right? If, I don't, if you don't have tattoos, you judge people with tattoos. If you have tattoos, you judge people's bad tattoos. It's just, it's just, this is just what we do as humans. You judge people's cars. You walk down the street. You can look at someone's house, and you're making observations. And churches judge other churches, right? If, if, if we all wear suit and tie, we judge the church that wears Hawaiian shirts. And if we are on shorts and T-shirts and the pastor dresses like Simon Cowell, we, then we judge the, uh, the church that has the orange. Oregon, right? I mean, it's just, it's just what we do. So for me to say I judge people, um, you can, you know, there might be some of you going, well, I don't judge people and I can't believe you do. Well, you just did. So that's the thing. I mean, we all, we all do this. And here's, here's what happens because it's human nature to look from where you are at people, quote unquote, above and either wish we were them or judge them or whatever, and people below, and we're glad we're not them or whatever. It's why we love American Idol, because we can all sit on our couches and eating chips, and every next, you know, the next person comes up, you know, you're throwing stuff, you're terrible, you know, and then the next person comes up, and it's like, wow, they're really good, you know, and then if, and then if we take it one step further, because every week they have that extra judge, and we're like, they don't know what they're talking about, right, and then Simon Cowell's real hard on someone, so then we start judging Simon Cowell, and then, you know, I mean, it just goes on and on and on, because it's human nature to look from where we are, and look above you, and look below you, and make value judgments. It's what we do. And the Bible speaks against that. 
And we all kind of know in our heart, whether you're a follower of Jesus or you're just kind of trying to figure the God thing out, that it's probably not right to do that. And so this morning, we're going to talk about uh, learning humbly. And there are some verses that talk about, uh, they're not up on on there, but... um, uh, you know, do not think uh, of yourself more highly than you ought. I mean, that doesn't even have to be in the Bible. I mean, you, you know that, you know, your parents probably told you that from when you were a little kid. Romans twelve sixteen. live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, uh, but be willing to associate with people of low positions. Do not be conceited. We understand that. But here's the thing. The verse we've kind of been touching back on every single week is found in John 10, 10. And it says, uh, it, it's, be, it's behind us right here. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. And so what I want to propose to you this morning is that if we're going to live a life that is constantly looking above and below us and to the side and trying to figure out where we stand, that's going to rob us of the life that God has for us. That's a thief that's going to steal, kill, and destroy But if we can begin to look at our lives the way God would have us look at it, that's an abundant life. And see, when you have 30 days to live, you don't really care what kind of car you drive. You don't care about how much money you're making. You don't care about who's got what and how that works out and what you didn't get and the promotion or whatever. You're going to meet Almighty God at the end of the month, and there's nothing you can do about it. Because no matter what we give value, at the end of our life, it means nothing. You might be a multi-billionaire, quazillionaire. But if you live to really old, someone is taking you to the bathroom. If you have, you know, welcome to the gun show t-shirt and just the pythons and you're all shredded out and you just look unbelievable... No matter, everything starts heading south. Gravity will have its effect on you in the long haul. There's nothing you can do. So how can we look at our lives now in a way that's healthy? Because the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And and one of the ways the thief comes, and that could either be the enemy or our flesh, is to have us think either too much of ourselves or too little of ourselves right? You've done that as well. You say, well, I'm not proud at all. I can't do anything. My life is horrible. If you knew what I did last week, then you would know that I can't be used by anything. Both are unhealthy to think too highly of yourself and to think too low of yourself. Now, here's the definition we're going to use for humility this morning. And if you've got your outline, it's just one point this morning. Makes it nice. Humility is seeing God for who he is. Humility is seeing God for who he is. It's not seeing other people as higher and you lower, or not seeing you as lower. And that, you know, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's seeing God for who he is. Because when we have a healthy understanding of who God is, we can't help but humble ourselves. In Psalm, there's a verse that it's so great because when we start looking at what we have and what we don't have and what we want and what we don't want, there's a verse that says, be still, stop. New American Standard says, cease striving, stop, and know that I am God and that I will be exalted. Right? Stop, be still. 
get a healthy perspective of who I am. There are two verses that are kind of famous in the Bible about this idea of humility. I wanted to go over them. And it comes, it starts off with a command. James 4.10 starts off with a command. And it says this, humble yourselves, right? Humble yourselves. Now, if it just stopped there, like we have it behind us, just humble yourselves, you go, okay, I'm no good, you know, or whatever you do to humble yourself, right? Or you think, man, you know, I blew it. And yeah, I did, I did sin. And that, that's not the point of it. Because it moves on and it says, under the mighty hand of God. Oh, I'm sorry. James says, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord. Humility is seeing God for who he is. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. Come to God with nothing. And then he will give you value, is what that says. Another famous verse is found in 1 Peter 5, 6. Again, humble yourselves, therefore, or therefore, humble yourselves, depending on which version you have. Therefore, humble yourselves. Okay, oh boy, I'm no good. I'm not, that's not it. Under the mighty hand of God. In other words, get connected with who God is. Because if you don't, all that humility doesn't mean anything. Just to think less of yourself doesn't mean anything. All you're doing is just changing your standard with who's up and who's down and whatever. When we go before the living God, humility is seeing God for who he is. The person who understood this was Paul. But Paul was writing uh, to the a church in Corinth and he, he basically had this problem that he called a thorn in the flesh. And scholars throughout history have tried to figure out what the thorn in the flesh is. Some said it was his eyesight. Others said that it was, you know, he walked with a limp or whatever. I don't know. He couldn't read. I don't know what his thorn in the flesh was. And here's the great thing about Scripture. A lot of times in Scripture, what's not there is very important. And for some reason, uh, God didn't inspire Paul to write what that thorn in the flesh is. And that's very encouraging to you and I. Because if, if we knew what his thorn in the flesh is, what would we do? We'd value it. And we'd either go, whoa, Paul struggled with that. I ain't reading any of his stuff. That's creepy, right? Or we'd go, that, that was his thorn in the flesh? That was nothing. If he only knew what I had, right? So the Spirit of God doesn't, doesn't, tell, doesn't tell us what it is. It's very encouraging. And so what happens is Paul entreats the Lord three times. He says, Lord, take this thing away from me. Take this thing away from me. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had something that's going on in your life, you know, a, a trial or a, an ailment or whatever, and you go before the Lord and you say, man, I, I just don't want to struggle with this anymore. That's what Paul did. And Paul did it three times. And you know why he only did it three times? Is because the Lord spoke to him. It's really important as we begin to go before the Lord and see him for who he is. When he speaks to us, we have to listen. And so Paul wrote it down, what God was saying. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, he says, And he said to me, this is Jesus talking to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you. In other words, you have nothing, Paul. You, don't, you, you can't manufacture getting out of this thorn in the flesh, whatever it is. But where I meet you, when you go before the living God and you see him for who he is, it will be enough for you. It's amazing that he says this. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. 
Now, oftentimes we look at our weaknesses, and I'm not talking about sin. We'll go over that in a little bit. But we look at our weaknesses and we say, if only this, if only that, if only this, then, then my life would be different. And, uh, you, know, we'd, you know, everything, all the planets would align and we'd have everything all taken care of. But it says, my grace is sufficient for you for power is perfected in weakness. When God comes in, whatever your weakness is, is irrelevant. Because God makes up for it. Now, this isn't Paul going, man, I, you know what? I have a problem robbing liquor stores. And so I went to the Lord like three times, and he's like, nah, you just, that's just who you are. Don't sweat it. I'll, I'll take it up. No, it's not sin. We're, we're called to overcome our sin, okay? So when, like Aaron was saying, at the men's retreat, there were sins broken at that men's retreat that did not come back. Because we check up. No, I, I, I do. I mean, we do. We get, how's it going? Oh, man, the Lord's still working, right? But see, we try to hide our weakness. Why? Because it, it's on the measuring scale. If you knew my weakness, you might think less of me. And Paul says this right after that. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. You see that? Paul's saying this. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I'll I'll boast about my weakness. I don't care if you know that I fail at certain things. It doesn't matter because when I fail, that's when Christ's power comes to dwell in us. Paul understood this. He had come face to face with the living God. And humility is seeing God for who he truly is is you can't stand up against that you cannot as a matter of fact a great example of this is found in the book of isaiah isaiah was a a prophet and he had to do all sorts of jacked up things and his life was miserable i mean you did not want to be a prophet in the old testament okay and so he had some really strong words to give to the people of israel okay so uh here, here's what happens. Have you ever had a dream and you woke up and you like felt everything from that dream like it, like, you know, it was real to you? This is nothing like that, okay? <laughs> this is way worse than that or way better, whichever way you want to look at it. Take your, that dream where you woke up and you're like, honey, we were driving and then we went off the cliff and you turned into a butterfly and it was just so weird. It was like it happened just then and we died. I still feel everything. This was on steroids, that. Watch what happens. Isaiah comes face to face with the living God. Isaiah sees God for who he truly is. Here's what happens. It's in Isaiah chapter 6. Verse 1, and uh, um, I don't have it uh, up, up on the board until we get the board. I did it again, chalkboard. Up on the wall there until we get there. Now listen, listen to this. Pay attention, it's so important. In the year that King Uzziah died, that's basically a fancy way to just say back in 2000, okay, so that's kind of how we'd say it now. But in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. This is what's happening to Isaiah. I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. Isaiah's having a vision of seeing God for who he truly is. And listen, 
For Pastor Carlos and I, this, this is our prayer when we have a worship service. That, that it wouldn't be about the words or the band or anything else. It would be about you coming face to face with the living God that you could actually visualize, see God seated on his throne and the train of his robe filling the temple. That you would have an encounter with God. That you would be able to push aside everything that happened in the week and everything that's going to come up in the next week and you would be able to have an encounter with God. That, that's our vision for this church in worship. So he goes on. Seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. T- temple. Now listen to this. Above him were seraphs. These are like, kind of like little angels. Each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another. And amazing. Isaiah is having an encounter with God as he truly is. Phenomenal. And this is what they're crying out. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, as I read that, as you visualize that, how does your job look? Have you been, were you thinking about your job? Were you thinking about the neighborhood you live in? Were you thinking about anything? Or were you visualizing God seated on the throne? His train filling the temple and the seraphs with six wings covering their eyes, their feet, and the other two flying around and they're calling out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. When we visualize that, when we see God for who he truly is, how can we be prideful? Watch what happens. It's amazing. The sound of their voices... At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. You think sometimes worship is too loud here? Wait till you get before God, right? Okay, the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Now, watch Isaiah's response to seeing God as who he truly is. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. I got nothing. He didn't say, God, Isaiah stands before you, a prophet that has had a messed up life because I'm doing the stuff you tell. Woe to me, I am ruined. Watch. For I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. See, listen, everybody becomes the same before the Lord. Whether you have a million dollars Big guns, whether you're attractive, whether you did a blockbuster movie, whether you're, you're a, a janitor or whatever CEO, whatever we call imp- less important or more important. Again, these things mean nothing before the Lord. He says, I'm ruined. Woe to me, I'm ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. I'm a pastor of unclean lips and I... Preach to a church that has unclean lips. (laughs) Right? Don't you dare say no. Okay? (laughs) Yes! Before God, when we see Him as He truly is, we have no... And see, this is the thing. If you're not there yet, like if you're like, I'm just not getting it, that's where you need to be. Because anywhere other than that is a thief that will rob, kill, and destroy you. 
The idea that you're going to go up and down on somebody else's scale or even your own scale robs you of the life God has for you. This is what is happening to Isaiah. He's gone before the Lord and he said, I got nothing and the people around me got nothing. True humility is seeing God for who he is, not lowering yourself. When you see God for who he truly is, you will see you as you truly are. Now, this is where it gets so exciting. Okay? So, I live among a people with unclean lips. Now, listen, this is the point. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Once that happens, everything falls into line. Everything has total perspective. I got nothing, you got nothing. We're all the same. It doesn't matter what race we are, what gender we are, what economic background we have, or what we want to aspire to. We are nothing before the God when we see him as he truly is. You say, well, that's kind of depressing. That's exactly where God wants you, to humble yourself before him. Now watch. It's not back here. Listen. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which had uh, taken with tongs from the altar. Even he couldn't touch it. The seraph, okay? He takes these tongs. With it, he touched my mouth. And he said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. You go before God and you see him as he truly is and you say, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm among a people of unclean lips. And he says, that's exactly where I want you. Now I'm going to touch you and guess what? Your sins are atoned for. This is what I want you to hear. This is the other statement. The first is, you, you see God as he truly is. That is true humility. The second thing is, you have nothing to offer, but you are so valuable. You have nothing to offer, but you are so valuable. Anyone who's raising children knows that. We heard a baby crying just a little bit ago. That baby has nothing to offer that family, okay? It doesn't have a job. It doesn't even talk yet. It just sits there. It poops, it pees, and it eats, and it cries, okay? Right? Nothing to offer, and yet, is it not the most valuable thing to that family? Is it not the most precious thing to hold that baby that can't do anything? See, we understand that in that sense. That's how we come to God. We come to God going, I don't have anything before you. I'm a man of unclean lips. I pastor a church of people with unclean lips. I got nothing. And he says, yeah, but I'm telling you, you guys, Living Spring, are so valuable to the kingdom of God. You're so valuable. See, that takes away all the other stuff. It takes away everything else. Yeah, but, but if you'd seen my week, if you had done this, and if you'd done, but pastor, I know, and my past, and all this kind of stuff, it, it, it's irrelevant because before the Lord God Almighty, we're all the same. Now watch what happens. Isn't the, isn't the Bible exciting? Ha! I love the Bible. I should do this for a living. Okay, okay. Okay, so watch. With it, he touched my mouth. He says, he says basically, uh, I've touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. You, you're very valuable. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, 
Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Now watch, this Isaiah. And I said, here I am, send me. I've seen the Lord. I've seen his train fill the temple. I've seen the seraphs flying around saying, holy, holy, holy. And I I, I don't have anything to offer you. And yet you atoned for my sins and you made me valuable. So now use me. Don't use me because I come with anything. Use me because you made me valuable. And and the, the, the takeaway for us today is that hot coal, that burning coal that touches his lips and takes away the, his sins is Jesus Christ for us today. What Jesus did on the cross. And so we come to God as Americans and we drive our cars and our house and we say, you know what, I think I'm going to do this or do that. And we, God says, you have nothing Bow before me. You don't, you, I don't need you. I don't, you have nothing. Yet you're so valuable. I sent my son Jesus to die for you so you could be you. So that when I say, I need somebody, we say, here I am, Lord, send me. Thank you. I was lost, and now I'm found. I was blind, now I see. I had nothing, and now I'm priceless. That is true humility. It doesn't have anything to do with anybody else. It only has to do with God the Father and who He is. Isn't that killer? I don't, okay, I don't know. I'm just saying it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. All right. Whew. Okay, sorry about that. 2 Corinthians 10, 12. I want you to kind of, we're going to wrap it up uh, with this. It's so important here. Basically, Paul's writing to, to the, the church of 2 Corinthians. <laughs> no, he's writing the church of Corinthians for the second time. And the, the, the church in Corinth is just like the American church is today. Okay? So, I mean, if you, next time you open up Corinthians, read it as a letter to Living Spring or any other American church. Basically, they were all arguing about who does what better, which person they're going to listen to. I listen to Rick Warren. He's a heretic. I listen to John MacArthur. They were doing everything we do today. If they had blogs back then, they'd be writing feverishly. Okay? And so they were thinking, I'm above Apollos, I'm of Paul, this is that, this is that. And, And the leaders themselves were arguing and saying, you know, Paul told you this, but now that I'm here, you know, Paul doesn't know what he's talking about. And Paul writes back because they're, they're, they're stacking themselves up against each other. And one church has pews and another has chairs. And one plays an electric guitar and one plays the organ. And they're just going back and forth. And Paul's like, ah, it makes me want to puke in the Greek. Okay? <laughs> so... It's pukea. Uh, no, okay. I'm, it's, it's not, yes. Okay? It's not pukea. Okay. Second Corinthians 10, 12. Listen to what Paul says. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. In other words, Paul's saying, dude, I ain't even playing right now. I know so-and-so says he's better than me and I'm better than that. I don't even dare get into that. I don't play that game. Watch, we're going to see something. I I put up on the board, wall, uh, watch. We do not dare classify ourselves or compare uh, compare ourselves with some who uh, commend themselves. Go on to the next one. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, look at how many themselves there are. 
Isn't that amazing? There's five. And then ourselves, themselves, themselves, themselves. It's all about self. Paul's saying, I am not going to measure me with anybody. It's irrelevant. Because I've seen the living God. And he's humbled me. And I know that my, my, I know how weak I am. And I know that if I want his power dwelling within me, I need to boast about my weakness. So if I play better, preach better, dance better, whatever, I don't dare commend. Now you say, now wh- what's the big deal? Because he says, listen, these people that do that, these churches that do that, these small groups that do that, whoever does that, next slide, they are not wise. When you begin to compare yourself with somebody else, or even compare yourself with yourself the way you think you ought to be, you will, it will rob, steal, and destroy your life. We don't do that. It's not wise. It's not the wise thing to do, right? If we go back to another series that I, I did, which is the men's retreat series, by the way. Okay, you're going to love it. All right? So that's, it's not wise. Now watch. He goes on. You know what? I'm not going to open up. I'm going to look back here. Keep going. He, he talks a bunch of times, and then he gets to verse 17. He says, But let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Now you say, now John, I, I, I can't boast in the Lord. Then you haven't seen him for who he is. You haven't allowed him to run your life. Because here's the thing. If you want to run your life, he will let you. And some, some of us in this morning are running our own lives, and he's allowing it. And may, maybe they're kind of going great until there comes a time when the road turns and things aren't working out quite the way we'd planned. And then we go running to God, but we don't know him for who he is. So it's difficult for us to humble ourselves. So Paul says, if you're going to boast, boast in what God is doing in your life. Boast in how you came before him and you realize you're an unclean woman with unclean lips. And you talk on the phone with other women with unclean lips. See, I just, I kept saying men, so I had to do something. Man, you should, man, you should see the ladies right now. They're just like, oh yeah, you just wait about that. Okay, let him who boasts, boast the Lord. Next slide. Now watch. It's important. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved. In other words, even your scale with yourself doesn't matter. I don't, I don't dare commend myself with themselves. And when they do that, they're unwise. And even if I commend myself, it doesn't matter. And, and as the worship band returns, we're going to move into a, a solar time of worship. Now listen to this. But the one whom the Lord commends. See, where you are in life is irrelevant about your value. I mean, you're not valuable based on what you did or did not do, right? But then God comes and touches you and says, you're invaluable. There's no price that can be placed on you. 